0: Gitin Perik Aleph Mishnehay hey, One Five. The Mishnah continues to discuss the halachas that are unique to Gitin Nashim and Shechuray in contrast with other kinds of contracts. And this Mishnah here will have two different topics. One talking about the issue of Kusim, a certain nation acting as signatories um, as Aden. and uh, the second topic later on we'll talk about Arkav Shalgoim, uh, non-Jewish courts facilitating these contracts. So let's first talk about the Kusim. So a Kusi is a person from the place called Kusa, once upon a time. The Kusi people were brought in to Eretz Israel, to the kingdom of Yisrael, the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, during the first temple period, after the Syrians had exiled the ten, we'll call them, lost tribes. Um, he brought in these other peoples to populate the region in the north of Israel and Samaria. Now, these people were not Jewish, but uh, they were idolatrous, the lions that were... Roaming errits all the time, attack them repeatedly. They realize it's a sign of God's displeasure, the local God's displeasure. I'll call him Kviachol, uh, and they were moved to convert to being Jewish, in hoping to appease the what they perceived as the local God. Now, because of that, their conversion was dubious, and Chazal were split on whether the Kusim should be considered Jews. Or they can con- and they're geri emes, really the true converts. Or if they're gerim, their converts that are called geri arayot, they're lion converts. So to speak, I meaning they weren't really converts; they were just trying to get away from the lions. In which case, they're gentiles. Now, um, later on, it was confirmed that they were in fact um, idolatrous. They had set up this statue of a dove on Har which they worshipped. But that was discovered only in Talmudic times after the Mishnah closed, and the Mishnah was a question hour to nine. And our Mishnah here. There's a machlokas here, but everyone is assuming that a kusi is a Jew, is a Jewish convert, legitimate Jew. The problem is that the kusim were good about some halachas and not good about some halachas, and the question therefore is, are they acceptable to serve as witnesses? And that's a discussion here of okay? So the mission begins by saying, Kol get, any contract, and here the word get means any contract, not just a bill of divorce for a woman. Kol get sheyesh alav aid kusi pasal is if a kusi has served as one of the witnesses on a contract, any kind of contract, then the contract is invalid because although they are yes Jewish, they're I'll call them not good Jews. They're not they don't they're not strict about the halachas of and so on. We can't trust them therefore to serve as adam as witnesses. Chutz megitei Nashim The exception is if they're serving if one kusi is serving as a witness on a get that's a bill of divorce or a bill of emancipation, then they are acceptable. Now, there's a lot more here than meets the eye. What's going on here is um, that we're talking about the two signatories. One of them is a Jew in good standing. One of them is a Kusi of questionable standing. But we know the Jews of good standing. They both have signed. The Jew signed second, and the Kusi signed first. And what's going on here, those a complex backstory is the following. There's a separate Dindar Totally unrelated to anything we've seen before that says that unlike other contracts, which need two different witnesses to certify the document, when it comes to a get to divorce a woman or to give emancipation to a slave, both the witnesses need to be in the presence of one another when they sign. That's a halacha peculiar to this. The reason why is kind of, I don't want to confuse this mission as complex as it is. Put it aside. But there's a requirement that they have to be in the presence of one another. And therefore, if we see two signatures here, and the Jew let the kusi sign first, which was a sign of, um, like deference, of honor, and they took their honor very seriously in those days. So if the Jew's prepared to be the second signatory, he's sort of implicitly saying that the kusi is the better man. The bigger man, and that being the case, if a Jew who for sure was in the presence of Kusi when he signed it, because that's a requirement for Gitten, um, so if the Kusi was signed first, that's the Jew saying he's a he's a good Jew, and that being the case, you have two signatories, and the second signatory is confirming the first one's a good one. Therefore, you have two, I'll call it kosher signatures. Um, in the case of other kinds of contracts let's say, just a generic IOU, since they could sign it separately, one not in the presence of the other, the fact that there is a Jew who signed doesn't mean that the other person who signed the kusi is um, someone who takes edus and Halacha seriously, and therefore, um, such a contract cannot be relied upon, says the Tanakhama. Okay? Now, there's the chasurim there's some missing words. The missing words are that Rabban Gamliel disagreed. Rabban Gamliel said, listen, kusim are Jews, and not only that. When it comes to the, when it comes to gettin, they take Gittin very seriously, and a kusi can be relied upon to be serving as a witness on a get to, for divorce at all events. So that means even if you have two signatories as Adem, and both of them are kusim, it's still a kosher get. Says Rabban Gamliel. And that's the missing words. And then we now have a, a Maisa story which confirms that Rabban Gamliel held that opinion. Because it says, Maisa, it once happened, Sheviu lifnei Rabban Gamliel le'Kfar Osnai. They brought uh, Rabban Gamliel who was in Kfar Osnai get Isha, a bill of divorce for a woman. Vayu Vahayu edav ede Kusim, and both of the witnesses who had signed this get were both kusim v'hekhshir. He said that's a kosher get. So you see Rabban Gamliel holds that uh kusim are acceptable for witnesses at least on gitin. Now the halacha, so to speak, is like the Tanakhama, meaning if you have one signatory and it's a Kusi and he's signed first, then the Mishnah, the Gemara initially would say that would be okay. But Halachlamaisa, we treat Kusim as non-Jews altogether, if there aren't any around anymore. Um and that like Samaritans. And that being the case, um the the uh would, they would not be acceptable to forget. Okay that's like topic number one. Now, there's a new Mishnah, so to speak, I meaning even in the Gemara, it's a separate separate Mishnah. Um, new topic here. Again, we're talking about the ways in which Gitein nashim and Shech are different than other kinds of contracts. And here we're talking about how that applies if the contract is being certified, we'll call it notarized, in a Gentile court, what are called Arkaos Shel Goyim. Um, the word... The etymology so um tolsyontov says that it really is like from like the it's like the hebrew word hebrew borrowed it from from uh the greek and it refers like you know oreach like an orech din in modern hebrew is like a lawyer oreach to arrange so they they're oreach and and sidur they arrange and organize like the law and society that's they're called arkaos from the word oreach but uh um the Tverus, and others point out that the, the word itself uh, means like serara, like leadership. Um, so, archaos from the Greek word, like arco, the same way we have, like in English, we have the word arch enemy. What is an arch enemy? The answer is, or archbishop. So, the arch means like leading. So, like arco, the same word here, the So, this archaos are the leaders of the Gentile community, meaning their courts of law. So, the underlying assumption of this part of the Mishnah is that when it comes to our, our kosher goyim, gentile courts, so we certainly never are going to trust a non-Jew to be a witness that just doesn't conform with our basic halacha, um, there actually is such a shita that the Mordechai brings that they are I believe, but putting that aside, that's that's a unique opinion. In general we don't trust them to be um kosher witnesses per se, but if the society has appointed them as magistrates in their local courts of law, so the assumption here is that they're respectable, honest people who would not want to jeopardize their careers and reputation over false certifications. And therefore, if you have a certification from a governmentally endorsed, supported court, and there's a judge facilitating that, so we believe that it's true. What he's saying is true. Um, So now, when it comes to Staros contracts, they can function one of two ways. And I think in the back of the introduction, I emphasized that this difference to some degree. Most contracts, like an IOU, so um, the contract serves just as a, as a bureau, as a memorial of what happened to confirm that the events were the way they were. Meaning, when I lend you money, so the fact you took my $100, um, obligates you to pay them back to me. I don't need to have a contract. We could do a milva al I could I could lend it to you without a contract. We just have a verbal agreement or in front of witnesses. Okay? So the, what is the contract that I'm holding that says you owe me $100 due? It's a proof that, you know, that these are the terms of the, of the loan and, and that it happened and so on. But the loan happened independently of the contract. Okay? The contract just memorializes what happened. If that's the kind of contract we're talking about, so I loan you hundred dollars and then I get a IOU written in a court of law, our kosher goyim, a gentile court of law, and the gentile court, you know, notarizes that document. So a Jewish court will say, yeah, we don't, we believe that this contract does say the fact of what actually happened, because a notary wouldn't lie and jeopardize his career uh, to certify it if it wasn't true. So that would be binding. In contrast, when it comes to a star for, uh, like a get for divorce or for shikur of adam. So the contract itself, it's not for beer, it's for Kiem, it's for the actual ethic- effecting of the divorce. So I need to give, a, say for Cresus, this document, this legal you know phenomenon called a get to the woman, and she has to accept it, and that's what effects the divorce. Um, it doesn't matter that. The signal it doesn't. It's not a, about beer to dis, to prove what happened. It's to actually make it happen. Therefore, a get has to be written by Jews lishma, and there's no other way around that. If a non-Jew wrote it, it doesn't matter that it. It's just not a kosher get. It's not a thing called a get. You know, I'll just give an example in case it's not clear. You know, there's a thing called a mezuzah has to go in your doorpost. It doesn't help to photocopy someone else's mezuzah and and or to endorse the person who lives here believes in Hashem or something, that's not the point. There's a mitzvah to put a mezuzah, and it's not a mezuzah unless it's written by a so stam mezuzah on you know, with a, conforming the conforming to lach a mezuzah. It's not the, not the words on it, that they're true, that's not the point. The mezuzah is a mezuzah in and of itself. A get is the same way. It has to be written in the and has to do what it, what it does, and if a non-Jew is the one writing it, um, or if a non-Jew is witnessing it's handing over, uh, that's not effective. It just doesn't work. Uh, you need to have Jews that are, are serving as the witnesses to make this thing happen. Therefore, our kosher don't help necessarily, right? Because we don't need to, just it's not to, not a bureau, it's not to say this is a, that A, divorce B, that we wouldn't accept from a non-Jewish court. It has to be that we have Jewish witnesses that say this contract was given over to this woman who accepted it in her hand, got in her hand, and that's how she was divorced. So that being the case, says the Mishan side, any contracts that emerge from Gentile courts, even though the signatories, the people who are doing the certification, notarization of the get are non-Jews, they're still effective and they're enforceable because we don't assume they're liars and therefore we'll accept it that what it says in the document is true. But the fact that, again, the get, it doesn't matter that it says bit true or not true, it has, happens that it, it, it was given over to her, and that event is not what the get, it's the giving over the get, and not what it says in the get per se, that matters. So therefore, exceptions are the get for a, a woman, or a get or for an evid, the fact that it's been notarized doesn't make it effective, we wouldn't honor such a get, it's just simply not effective, not halachically acceptable. Now, the truth is, this principle could apply to other kinds of, contracts as well and there's one other one i want to speak out here um, which is if i'm selling you a piece of property so then and let's say that we make a kenyan however we make a kenyan you know you with money let's say so you give me the money and i say okay by taking your money you acquire the land so that and then we just write a deed to memorialize us so you can show in courts later on that you have title of this property so that moralization that title if it's notarized by a gentile court that's fine and enforceable okay because what made the transfer made the kenyan made the transfer of the land was the taking of the money if i'm giving you a gift and there's no transfer of money so what effects what's the my second what effects the transaction the answer is i um, you taking the deed that i write that says i'm now giving you this piece of land but you taking that document that's what makes it yours okay so now um that being the case the document itself is essential, and therefore, a kosher won't work for such a document either. Okay, it would have to be Jewishly witnessed um, and Jewish signatories because of the document itself, which is doing the effecting the transfer, right? It's as opposed to just for it's it's as opposed to just memorializing the transfer happened. Okay, now in argument with that is uh, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. Rebbe Shimon, Omer, af. Eluk Sharon Rabbi Shimon says, "No. Even if you have a notarization on a get that came from a gentile court, still the get is kosher." Now, why? Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Elazar. You recall the Mahlokas Rabbi for Elazar's p- opinion was that the role of the Adim is not. Um, it's the it's the role of the Adim are to witness the transfer, the handing over the get. Okay, they're Adim Mesira korsi. They what affects the severance between husband and wife, the divorce, is the witnesses witnessing him give her the get, as opposed to signing on the get. Shita was, it's the actual writing on on the contract itself, their signatures, which make the get a valid get. Meaning, according to Rabbi Lazar, even if there are no signatories whatsoever, no Adem written on the get, the get is still kosher. We just need to have two witnesses observe him give her this get. Signatures are irrelevant, essentially. And the only reason we put signatures and aid them on the get is just for the sake of Tikkun Olam, so we can know later on who to ask, you know, what happened. But they're not necessary. Therefore, Bashimun holds, even if you have a notarization from a Goyesha court, that doesn't make a difference. As long as we have two kosher Jewish witnesses who will, who will confirm that the he gave the get to her, or to his abbot, so then it's acceptable. And the fact that there's a notarization on it from a gentile court doesn't make a difference. Now he has another important stipulation, um, which is that the name of the witnesses who are signing on this on this get have to be um, clearly non-Jewish names. Okay, so that's essential. And the assumption was that in the time of the mission, you could clearly see that a name was a Babylonian name, whatever, um, and not a, not a Jewish name, and not a Jewish person. Because if it we don't allow a get... Even Rabbi Elazar, and therefore shimon holds like I'm in our Mishnah, says that if a Jewish person who's not a kosher witness signs the get, the get is ruined, even though we don't need any signature. But we're not going to... You have two options. Either put no signatories or kosher signatories. But to have invalid signatories is no good because we're afraid people will rely on such people. We rely on the signatures alone to validate the get, to allow the woman to remarry, and the signatories are actually not valid people at all. So therefore if the signatories are clearly non-Jews by the fact their names are exclusively non-Jewish names, we'll realize that that's all they are, it's just our claim. They didn't; they weren't necessary to um, validate the transfer, they weren't necessary for the transfer of the get from him to her, and there are other witnesses, and these people are irrelevant, we need to find the real witnesses. But if the names are ambiguous, so then then it's possible that we don't know it's possible that the names are of Jews who just aren't observant Jews or kosher witness jews, and therefore um we could erroneously come to rely on these people as the witnesses themselves to certify the get when in fact they're not legitimate witnesses in the first place okay so that's his that's his opinion so he says even if air kosher goem signed the get it's kosher provided that that their names are clearly non jewish names furthermore he says lamansutshi says listen it is true that they said in the base midrash that if Goyim sign on the get that it's not acceptable it's not a not, it's not a valid get so that was talking about if the people who are signing are not part of a functioning court they're not acting as I'll call them judges or notaries that are endorsed by the by the the court system that the government put in place. So if that's the case, so then they're just regular goyim signing, that's just totally not okay, and therefore, such a get will not be valid because the, we're going to make a mistake of thinking these are the people who we could trust to testify regarding the giving of the get, and they, and they can't be trusted. Okay, so now the halacha is like the Tanakh here, not like Rabbi Shimon, meaning that, um, even though it's true that Ede Masira Korsi, it's all about the handing over the gets, once you have a get that's been... Um, has witnesses from non-Jews, even from orkosh l'goim, um, even if the names are clearly non-Jewish, it doesn't help. The get is not kosher; has to be given over um, by by Jewish uh, has to be signed by Jewish witnesses if it's signed at all. Um, and of course, they do sign getim nowadays. Um, as far as the enforceability of like a quote an IOU, so the Rambam and the Baruchor brings this. He says if the IOU has been signed by a gentile court. According to Bartonur, it has to be someone who we know is not a not a, a judge I'll call him a notary, that is uh, known to take bribes. Uh, the Rosh objects that strongly. He says everyone has their price, presumably, in a Jewish court. And therefore, there's no such thing as knowing he doesn't take bribes. What does that mean? Um, so therefore, the Shulchan Arch brings, it's acceptable and enforceable in court, provided that... The person who notarized or certified this document isn't known to be someone who is corrupt and accepts bribes. Because if he is, then the Jewish court will not enforce a contract, even an IOU contract, that was signed or certified by a known corrupt judge or notary.